Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Bomb 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 and then they like crank it back up and everyone like dance like about you. Also one of those songs where those are the only words in it that I know. I'm pretty sure those are the only words in it actually. <laughs> What's up everybody? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. So last week we did the negative version, which is the worst commanders to play against. And Always lead with the negative version. Yeah, that's what YouTube <laughs> has taught us. Um, but as a contrast to that, this week we're talking about the most fun commanders to play against. Yeah. So hopefully this episode helps you find some commanders, some legendary creatures that your playgroup will get excited to play against. It's the antidote to last week's episode. Yeah. And we, of course, we're going to mention lots of cards today. And I think some of you might be more inclined to build these decks than the ones we talked about last week. I hope so. And if you're planning on doing so, make sure you check out cardkingdom.com slash command zone. That's our affiliate link for the show. It's super easy to use. All you do is type in those words, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. And boom, you're on the Card Kingdom website. They have so many cards cards, sealed products. They got great shipping. You're going to buy any of these cards and as well as Ikoria cards or Commander 2020 cards that are coming out soon. Mystery boosters. Mystery booster boxes. There's uh, so much to get right now. Yeah, there. I mean, there, it seems like there always is a lot to get, but if you want the best service and the fastest shipping, cardkingdom.com slash command zone is your place to go. And when you buy all that stuff, all those cards, you really want to make sure that it all stays safe, secure, in good condition. Ultra Pro makes the best stuff to protect your stuff. They're the only ones that Jimmy and I trust to protect our rather large collections. A lot of Indeed. you have noted we often talk about cards that are sometimes more on the expensive side. You know, we have big collections. Hey, if I got dual lands and stuff, I'm putting them in Ultra Pro sleeves. So those are the ones that I, I, I trust to protect my stuff. So play it on a nice play mat, put in a good deck box, Ultra Pro. Again... You're protecting your cards, but simultaneously supporting the content that you enjoy. So it's, And you're making your cards look sweet. Yeah, it's just value. It's just yeah, value. Exactly. And finally, the last way to support us is directly at patreon.com slash command zone. We love our patrons. We talk to them all the time on Discord, answering questions as well as they get a sneak peek and a oh, full yeah. view of Game Nights a day before it comes out. So if you want to be a part of that action and support us every single month, go to patreon.com slash command zone and we shout out one lucky patron every single week. So this week's episode is dedicated to... to Lewis Haller. Lewis, you rock. rock. Uh, before we get into the main topic, too, we do want to remind you that we have taken over the post-production duties, the editing on another show, on another podcast. So the EDH Rec cast, which is hosted by Joey, Matt, and Dana, it's a really good show. It revolves around all the stuff you love about the EDH Rec website, which is basically the best deck brewing website mm -hmm. in all of Commander. Mm -hmm. 
those guys go into the data, into the analytics, into all that stuff that you love about EDH Rec, they really give some context to it. And oftentimes they're going in and refuting the numbers, saying why the numbers maybe are not what you think they are based on some other biases and stuff in the data. So it's a really good show. If you just type EDH Rec Cast into your YouTube search bar or your podcast app, they're going to pop right up. And again, we're doing the editing on all that. So it's gotten a new visual makeover. The show looks really great. They've always had good topics. And now they just have the visuals to back that up. So yep. make sure yeah. you subscribe to them and subscribe to us. Just click the subscribe button. And if you hit the low notification bell, ding, 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 underneath it, you'll also get notified when we post new videos. And we got a lot of bonus content coming up because of Ikoria. Marriage 2020. Yeah, we, we're doing a ton of videos right now. A lot of overtime being had here at the, at the command. You can't zone. even say it in one breath. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> We've been recording stuff all day, yeah. getting ready for Actually, it. Actually, for the past three days, as well as yeah. a bunch of Kickstarter videos, it's been quite the hustle. Bustle. So you do want to hit that subscribe button and hit the bell notification because we got a lot coming out and you're not going to want to miss any of it. All right. Okay. Moving on to the main topic, we again reached out to the office around us and asked everyone, hey, here team at the Command Zone, let us know what are your most fun commanders to play against, as well as Josh and I contributed our own, and we aggregated this list. And uh, you thought this list was a bit hard to put together, huh? I mean, it was for you too, right? When I texted you, you were like, yeah, these, these, the these, these, these. And I was like, yeah, but which ones are you like? And you're like, hold on, I got to get back to you. Yeah, I'll get back to you. I haven't really thought about the fun commanders to play against. You can rattle off immediately off the top of your head the the commanders that are the worst to play against. But when somebody's like, okay, which ones do you like to play against? It takes a lot more thought. Yeah. yeah. It's easier to be negative, that's for sure. Yeah. Why is it so much more fun to come up with, or so much more easy to come up with the, you know, more hated ones and harder to come up with the more fun ones? You're probably liking, you're probably, in your head, you're like, when I play the most fun commanders, it's when I'm playing them and I'm winning. And every commander that goes against that is the worst because they're stopping me from having my fun and winning. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's just... It's like uh, commanders generally fun, but I don't know that a lot of commanders stand head and shoulders above most of them as more fun than the others. Right. There are more maybe that, that sort of peak up and are like, well, that that's definitely not that fun. Yeah. But then there's a whole bunch that I'd say are kind of even. But it people is, also don't build decks specifically to be like, I want everyone at the table to enjoy this experience. Right. Because they're that's trying to win. Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's pretty interesting. Okay. We're going to go through another list of 10 of the most fun commanders to play against. These are in no particular order. Um, this first one was... This might be the most fun, actually. It was easily <laughs> the one that got the most votes here in the office that the most people put on their list. For good reason, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's Kaneos and Tiro of Miletus. This is the blacklist commander. So it's got red, green, white, and blue. Four mana total. This is from, from Commander 2016. Uh, it's a 2-8 <laughs> human soldier, legendary two one creature. Two 1-4s together, basically. Two 1-4s, yeah, yeah, together. Uh, it says, at the beginning of your end step, draw a card. Each player may put a land card from his or her hand onto the battlefield. Then each opponent who didn't draws a card. Hmm. Confusing, but the, the way this works is you as the controller of Kaneos and Tiro, you get to draw a card and put a land onto the battlefield at your end step. Your opponents get to choose to do either of those things. Right. So if on Jimmy, he doesn't have Kaneos and Tiro, I do. It's basically like, do you want to draw a card or do you want to put a land into play? You get to do one or the other. I'm always going to do one, which is great. And in a lot of times, I'm playing decks that don't have access to as many effects like this. So whenever I do see a Kaneos Interior deck on the table, I know that my game is going to run more smoothly as long as they play their commander. And typically, these are the kinds of decks that do want to play their commander. And I've usually seen Kaneos Interior decks be pillow forty, So that means everyone, buckle up. We are in quarantine. No one's attacking anyone and specifically not attacking me and my 2-8. Right. Usually, Kaneos and Tarot won't stop you from attacking each other, but they want to stop you from attacking them. Them, right, yeah. Yeah. So they'll also play cards like Pramacon that forces combat one way or the other. They'll do stuff that basically keeps them alive, but also they're going to generate the most value out of their commander. Even though everyone else gets to draw a card or put a land in play, you get to do both if you're playing this. So it's pretty powerful. I like what you said at the start there. I think the reason that people find Kaneos and Tarot fun to play against is exactly what you said. It smooths out the game. So you have less games when this is one of the commanders where just no one person gets mana screwed. Yeah. No map. the ground. Yeah, it doesn't get to play. And because if you need lands, then and you don't have any lands in hand, you can draw the cards. Right. And if you're if you're fine, you can just get extra mana out and play your stuff a little bit earlier. And so it just provides ramp or card draw to everybody and you get to choose yep. based on what you need so you tend to have like a pretty smooth game where you get to do stuff do you you don't necessarily win but 
your deck's going to play, function, you're going to have fun in this game, you're not going to end up just sitting there. You don't see any other commander in the game give every player the option to either draw more cards or ramp their mana, which we say, again, are the two most important parts of Magic. So I really do like the design of this. In fact, all of the four-color commanders were huge fans of at the office. Yeah. It's definitely what I think caused the biggest like surge of commander players ever. Trax is still one of the most played commanders of all time. And Kaneos and Tiro, of all of them, people I think regarded it as the weakest I right. think, of all of them. But I think it is the most useful and by far the most universally liked to see at the other end of the table. All right, let's go on to the next one, which is a super interesting one. Yeah, this one is colors I'm very familiar with. It's Xantia Sleeper Agent. It's one, a black and a red, another commander, precon commander like Kaneos and Tiro. It's a 5-5 five, five for three mana. Legendary creature, Minion. As Xantia enters the battlefield, an opponent of your choice gains control of it. Xantia attacks each combat if able and can't attack its owner or planeswalkers its owner controls. And you can also pay three mana. Xantia's controller loses two life and you draw a card. Any player may activate this ability. So you play this card, you give it to one of your opponents. It has to attack, but it can't attack you or your stuff. Because you are its owner. You're not its controller, but you are its owner. Two very different things here. And then any player at the table may pay three. And in this case, it does refer to controller. So let's say I, I, I cast this card, I give it to Jimmy. Well, wait, hey, okay. Then any player at the table can pay three, and Jimmy will lose two life, and the player that paid the three mana will draw a card. Wait a second. But Even I, Jimmy can do this. Uh, but I... I want my 5-5, five five, <laughs> but I don't like this 5-5. Five five. <laughs> well, you can't hit me with it because I gave it to you. Yeah, three mana to do two damage and draw a card is a pretty good rate. Uh, it's not cheap, that's for sure, but it does give everyone the ability to get card draw again. And and it gets used quite often in Zancha games. You would think that that would be like a little bit expensive. Mm-hmm. It often gets handed to somebody and everyone's like, hey, if you pay six, you pay six, and you pay six, that's going to be what? That's a lot of damage. Yeah. That's two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. Four, four eight. And just, you four, kill... Eight. 12, yeah. Yeah, you just kill someone sometimes, too. <laughs> I mean, I've died to Zancha. There's a, a Zancha deck in our play group, um, and I've definitely died that way. I've killed yeah. players that way, which is really interesting because it creates this dynamic of, like, sometimes you're like, hey, if you kill the Zancha, I'll recast it and give it to the player that's ahead. Right. And, then, and so there's these really cool weird team-ups that happen in the game. And the Zancha deck in general, just plays like a lot of cards that you don't see in many decks. The Zancha deck tends to want to curse other players. Yeah, goad. Is yeah. A huge mechanic. Oh, yeah. Goad's a lot. Goad is kind of what Zancha's text reads, basically. It has right. to attack each combat and can't attack you, right. the person that goaded it. So there's a lot of cool stuff going on because Goad as a mechanic is really cool in a game. It just makes stuff happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think a big part of both Kaneos and Zancha is that it gives players options and it gives every player that option, which makes it inherently more fun to play against because. Normally in a game, you don't have the, like, it's like almost like an, a worldly enchantment or another ability that you can click on if you're playing online. Or you whatever. mean the card like, drop part? Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, cool, I can do this at any time on top of everything else that's on my board and everything else that I'm doing. So that in and of itself, I think is really unique. I think the design of this card might be one of my favorites in recent history in terms of just fun, interactive commander. Yeah, it's a really good point. It, it, I never thought that it works like Kaneos and Tiro, but it kind of does because everyone has a card draw outlet if they need it. And if you're like, well, I don't have anything to play, but I have a three man or I need to hit my fourth land drop. Yeah. You know, at least I can draw an extra card here. And or just hit a land drop. Yeah, right? get yeah. yourself out of it. So yeah, I like that. All right, the next one's a really interesting card. <laughs> I wanted to build a deck around this. Maybe I still will. It's pretty funny. I've played against a couple of these, and uh, it's very fun. So it's Grothama, All Devouring. It's three green green for a legendary creature, Worm. It's a 10-8. Mm. Five mana, 10-8. All right. It says, other creatures have, whenever this creature attacks, you may have it fight Grothama, All Devouring. And then when Grothama leaves the battlefield, each player draws cards equal to the amount of damage dealt to Grothama this turn by sources they controlled. So it's like this weird side quest that your characters can go on. It's it like, is a side quest. That's yeah, a great way of putting it. It's like, it. do you want to attack Jimmy or do you want to go on a side quest to kill this other monster? In which case you'll get paid a reward for killing it. However, the creatures that are fighting it are probably going to die because it's a 10-8. Yeah. But it, you have to stack at least eight damage onto this thing. And or, hope that the controller doesn't have some sort of giant growth trick because this deck will play right. like... 
combat tricks and stuff. Yeah. So sometimes you might get blown out. You The player also can fight Grothama itself with yep. its own creatures. Now, keep in mind, if you fight Grothama with like a 1-1 one, one death touch and you kill it, you're only going to draw one card. One yeah. yeah. So the goal is you want to kill this thing if you have creatures to be able to do so. and then You want to attack boom. it for like 20 to draw yeah. 20 cards if you can. But here's the thing. You can also flicker Grothama to make it leave the battlefield and draw those cards. So you could have something hit it for four and then boom. If you're, if you're the player, you know, you're going to abuse this. Flicker it. You draw four cards. It comes back down with no damage on it so hard to flicker in mono green so no, yeah, yeah 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 very true um but definitely something i think is really fun i think rothama is great in the 99 as well it's just it's so funny you're right it is just a side quest it does create re- i like anything that comes down and creates really interesting decisions for yep. all the players so you're always like okay do i want to attack Grothama actually I would like to draw those cards, and then you're like, how much mana do you have available? Okay, well, if you have a giant growth, I'll have to hit it for this month. Is, yeah. Is it still worth it? I'll lose three creatures, but I'll draw 12. Yeah. And you're just like... It's- and then the growth on player goes giant growth. Yeah, and you're like, or ah. they go indestructible. And you're like, ah, <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah. It's, it's, and the growth on deck is good. And I'd say this about the Zancha deck, too, like... Kineos and Tiro as well, but I think the Grothama deck can be very strong. Like, probably mm-hmm. can be up to, like, an eight power level built, like, totally, green totally optimized. Yeah. So, it's not like we're only picking decks and saying they're fun to play against if we think they're, quote-unquote, weak. Mm-hmm. This could be a very strong deck, but it just creates fun situations, and that's, yeah. that doesn't have to do with the power level of the deck. Because one of the... I played against a Grothama deck at a... Uh, Magic Fest, I think it was a GP back then. And it was like a very good deck. Like, I was like, dang, that deck is strong. But it was also like totally fun during the game because mm-hmm. of all that stuff. So, well, the side quest, you know, why yeah. not? Uh, this next one, one of our editors at the office, Murph, plays a deck like this, and I enjoy it quite a bit. How did it end up over there? Anyway, it is Braze, Conjurer Adept. Two blue, blue for a legendary creature, Human Wizard. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player may put an artifact, creature, or land card from his or her, his or her, her hand into play. So at everybody's upkeep, they get to put an artifact, creature, or land card directly into play. Hmm. No mana paid. Yeah. You don't get cast triggers, obviously, but you're just like, biggest thing I got, boom. Yeah. We have it's... two of these decks in our playgroup, which might skew our data here a little bit, but DJ, DJ has, has one, one too, and, yeah. uh, and Murph has one. It's a bit of a show and tell. Uh, and the Braids deck obviously runs the big scary creatures, but here's the thing. It's a four mana commander. By the time this comes out, especially if it's ramped out, sometimes you'll just see someone drop in Annihilator Eldrazi on turn three or four, which is the worst thing that could happen. <laughs> for everyone but that so player. scary uh, but, but, this, but the Braids deck interestingly is not usually the first one that gets to take advantage of it every once yeah. in a while they get an orrery or something out and then They'll they can flash it, it in yeah. and then but most of the time they're just like play it let's see what happens and uh, the other people get to drop in something nuts first yeah it's really bad if the next player drops in and, and t- like a ravenous chupacabra type creature uh, oh, yeah. where it just kills Braids <laughs> and they're like but I got the value <laughs> yeah that's that's the worst usually I've noticed DJ and Murph both from playing the deck a lot, have learned to sort of make a deal with the table about braids. Like, I'm going to play braids. Does anybody not like that? Yeah. Because I won't do it then. Right. Because if you're just going to kill it, that's no fun. Or let it live one rotation because I'm giving you the ability. I'd like to have it too. Yeah. Are we all in to get a braids trigger? Is that cool with everybody? And if everybody goes, yeah, then they play it. And if everybody goes, no, they do something else, which I think is smart. Yeah, because uh, Braids can, again, it's a high target for removal, especially if you know someone's like a Rakdos Lord of Riots deck. You don't want Braids to get to them. Yeah, yeah. They're the last person you want to see Braids <laughs> hang out with. It's it's pretty cool. I think one of the things that's underrated about Braids when you're playing against a Braids deck is do consider the fact that you can put a land into play. So mm-hmm. it can give you an extra land drop, which sometimes is the right move to make, especially if you don't have anything creature, big. I right. think if you don't have anything over like three CMC it might be better to just get Ram. a land into play. Yeah, and you also, like a big part of your turn too, this is before you draw a card, but you should look at the cards in your hand and say like, well, if I could play this and I'm not losing mana, right? I would say most of the time you only want to use a Braid's Trigger to help you gain mana. Right. And if gaining mana is ramping a land, untapped by the way, into play, then that's great. I think the reason Braid's is considered fun to play against is because it tends to cause craziness to happen. Yeah, and it ex- ex- expedites games like crazy too. Yeah, it's true. Games are faster. And also, I think it's similar to Kaneos and Tiro in that as long as Braid stays out for a little while, everyone gets to to do the thing. Mm-hmm. So it feels like I got cards into play. Maybe I lost the game, but my deck put things out there and stuff happened. 
This reminds me of what Plane Chase does to games. Actually, a lot of the commanders we've talked about reminds me of Plane Chase, which is let's set an arbitrary rule around the table and everyone gets to use it before we leave this plane or, you know, roll the plane or die or whatever. And I think Braids definitely feels the most like that to me. Where it's like, oh, this one's the scary one. You don't want this one to come out at the wrong time because it could spell doom for everyone. And all your well-laid plans, goodbye. (laughs) Pretty cool. All right. Number five. Again, these are in no particular order is Thantis the War Weaver, three and Jun, so three black, red, and green, for a 5-5 legendary creature spider, has vigilance and reach, and says all creatures attack each combat if able, and then whenever a creature attacks you or a planeswalker you control, put a plus one counter on Thantis the War Weaver. So... Everyone has to attack with all their creatures every turn of Fable. That's mm-hmm. just the thing. Including Thantis. Including Thantis. And there's nothing on here that says they can't attack you, which we're kind of used to now. It just says if they do attack you, Thantis will get bigger. Yeah. Uh, pretty scary. Thantis is already a 5-5 with Vigilance and Reach, which means that you don't want this thing cracking back at you. If you were like, you know, I'm going to attack the person with Thantis, and then all of a sudden it becomes an 8-8 with Vigilance and Reach. It can attack without tapping and then sit there and block pretty much everything. And because it has Vigilance, even though you have to attack with it's always back on defense and it's probably going to eat one thing that's attacking you right because as soon as you attack it it gets bigger before you've even done the damage you know it's at least a six six and it has reach yeah so it can block most things uh so it does it does disincentivize attacking the player that has thantis but doesn't make it impossible yeah. Like in a, a Eureka deck or something won't care because it'll just be like, hey, I'm all unblockable, so I'll just swing <laughs> in there. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I think in general, Thantis is the kind of card that can mess up a lot of decks because they'll have utility creatures. Oracle Moldaya, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Oracle. Gotta... All of a sudden, this two, four mana 2 2 is the worst attacker on the board. Um, or it forces them to take action early, which means that they have pingers or tapper and untappers. They can't get those things to enter combat because, boom, they're going to have to swing. So it's interesting. It does force a lot of action around the table. And in Jun colors too you can kind of set things up with red and all that stuff to constantly be directing the flow of battle and i like what you said there forces action i think that's why this card you know is mentioned as a more fun commander to play against because it causes you know a lot to happen Mm -hmm. you know whatever's happening whether it's in your favor or not a lot of stuff's going to happen because people are less able to sort of sit back behind their walls and less stalemates can happen like it's like nope you're gonna have to attack with everything so stuff's gonna happen fireworks are gonna fly yeah and so many games still i know a lot of people still do the thing like i'm not gonna chip in for early damage i'm not gonna chip in at all because i don't want to get someone angry thantis kind of just erases that part of the social contract because you can't feel bad about attacking i have to you have to so the i think the it also cools down sort of like the retribution that people have which is just like i can't believe you attacked me it's like well you had to and you chose me, that's what I can get upset about instead of just the damage itself. Yeah, I like the fact that it just causes stuff to happen. Those are the more fun games than when everyone sort of sits there and does nothing. Those are the long games that maybe aren't as fun. They've listened to our How to Sandbag episode too many times because <laughs> Thantis does not let you do that. All right, we have more of the most fun commanders to play against coming up. But really quick, we're going to take a break and hear a message from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right, we are back and we are talking about the most fun commanders to play against. Next up on the list, and again, in no particular order, but this one does have a close uh, relationship to me because of the, well, it's the same character, but it's a different commander. It's Queen Marchesa 
from uh, Conspiracy 2. And it's one, a red, white, and black, so one in Mardu for a 3-3 legendary creature, human assassin, no longer a queen. Well, still a queen. A queen, but also an assassin. Yeah, pretty, pretty, maybe, pretty cool. Maybe killed the previous ruler. Who knows? Oh, no. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Take the crown. Was that the name of the Conspiracy Yeah. Set? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I guess we found out who took the crown. She has death touch and haste. And when Queen Marchesa enters the battlefield, you become the monarch. And at the beginning of your upkeep, if an opponent is the monarch, put a 1-1 black assassin creature token with death touch and haste onto the battlefield. So great design here. Monarch, first of all, says at the end of your turn, if you are the monarch, you get to draw an extra card. And the way that you become the monarch is if you attack the person with the monarch token and do combat damage to them. You take it away. So it's basically a, again, sort of like a universal enchantment that everyone has access to. Um, and then if someone else is the monarch, when it's your turn, you get a 1-1 black, t- uh, black creature with death touch and haste. So you can swing in with it. It's going to be very hard to block as well. Yeah, I think the monarch and the fact that Queen Marchesa puts the monarch into the game. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. That's what I love. That is what I like about you, right? Like that <laughs> is that is. Bop, 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 yeah. bop, bop. I mean, I would be pretty happy if every game of Commander just started with the Monarch and whoever did combat damage first got it, and now yeah. we have the Monarch in every game because that's the fun. the Monarch is similar to Thantis, but maybe a little bit more strategical in that it it becomes like a thing that you're trying to get. It's a capture the flag almost kind of deal mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where. You want the Monarch because the reward is pretty good. You extra card drawn. But it also causes you to become the target because other people now want the Monarch when you have it. Yeah. And it really does help aggro-style decks, combat-style decks, because that's the way that you get the Monarch. Gives them a real advantage because any deck that's like a permission deck or anything like that has trouble grabbing the Monarch. They just don't have a lot of creatures. They're not doing combat damage. But in that same respect, it'll make people make decisions they wouldn't otherwise because... I got to attack. I got to get in there for the Monarch. So maybe I, in a normal game or a different game, I would do something else. But here, I'm going to remove your blocker and attack in for one just to get that Monarch and get that card. Yeah, and some decks may not even want the Monarch, but it's going to be bad for them because generally, if you have card advantage, you're trying to scale past the other players. But now that every other player has access to more card draw, uh, that actually is worse for you. So maybe even if you're the deck that has a lot of card draw, you want to keep and hold the Monarch. Right, because you don't want them really to really solidify your position there, yeah. So again, forcing action seems to be a constant theme here for all these uh, uh, all these creatures. I wish there are more legendary creatures that could, give, that could give Monarch. Yeah, I really do in a lot of different colors. I think the Monarch also, it, it uh, encourages a lot of social interaction. Yeah. When the Monarch's in play, a lot of people will like, well, that person's ahead. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll let you have the Monarch from me, and then when on my turn, you let it have me. Yeah, me just have two it. damage, you'll chip in. Is that fine? Yeah, yeah, and all of a sudden, the arch enemy is is down two cards to those two players, mm-hmm. where if the Monarch wasn't there, they couldn't. So they can kind of like uh, use the politics of the game with the Monarch. It just, it just encourages like a lot of my favorite aspects of what Commander are. What if you started each game and the Monarch was immediately given to the fourth player? I think that would be good, too. Uh, although in our stats, we didn't find that the fourth player was particularly disadvantaged, mm-hmm. just that the first player was advantaged. Advantage, right. The fourth player basically was even with two, three, and four. But sure, I still... I, yeah, because it... Sorry, I'm thinking this through right now, but <laughs> I understand why you said that. Because if you say the first player to deal combat damage in the game gets the Monarch, that also advantages the, the first, first player. player. Yeah. So it's interesting. Uh, I would love to find a way to get the Monarch into every game that's fair. Maybe it is more fair to just give it to the fourth player. Because uh, at least they'll get that one extra card before they get hit by player one. <laughs> yeah, the chances of them getting hit and having it taken away. But then again, you you are now adding in a bouncing ball that may throw the power dynamics even more off. Because it's true, the first player might have the first creature with haste. But at the same time, by turn three, two or three, I've seen a lot of commander games, no one's swinging. Everyone's still ramping and building out their boards. It, it, might, it might cause you to play, like, it might change the whole format where we would play right. more two ones and two drops knowing that we want to be able to grab that monarch or stop people from taking it from us. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to see, like, what it did to the game. Anyway, Queen Marchesa, undoubtedly very fun to play against. Thank you, Monarch. All right, the next one is a little bit similar. It's Ludovic, Necro Alchemist, one blue and red for a 1-4 human wizard legendary, of course. At the beginning of each player's end step... That player may draw a card if a player other than you lost life this turn. So this other than you is the controller of Ludovic. So what this does is say, if any of your opponents take damage during any your, player's any turn, turn. yeah, Each player's end step. Yeah, then that player will draw a card. So this is interesting because even things like if Jimmy plays a Shockland, or a on, land. on his own turn, that will 
he'll take damage. Yep. And that's one of my opponents. Let's say I'm controlling Ludovic. So he will draw a card at his end step for dealing damage to himself. And we saw a bit of this in the game nights where uh, our guest played Jacob. it as well. Jacob, yeah, our fan guest. Uh, it's interesting. It actually caused a whole lot of like, my ancient tomb got very, uh, very different. Yep, very Different good. vibes to it. It became <laughs> somewhat of a uh, Phyrexian arena, I guess. It's even more broken than normal. Yeah. But it does cause similar things to the, um, the monarch mechanic where mm-hmm. people want to get in for damage against one of the opponents of the player of Ludovic. Uh, obviously, it advantages the Ludovic player a little bit in that it's not worth as much to hit them because you don't draw cards for that. It's other than you, yeah. But it does cause action because you definitely want to get that card draw, so you definitely want to figure out ways to chip in a little bit of damage at least. And not to mention, Ludovic is a partner commander, and there are so many options to put on the other side of it. So you get to have a four-color deck if you want, or you can have a anywhere between a two and a four-color deck. So that's pretty good. You get a lot of options with it. Uh, I think if you're just building a deck and don't care so much about what the commanders are, but what, would rather have their uses, Kanaos and Tiro and Ludovic are sort of in that same category, I think. If you don't care so much about like the i'm going to build this to be a stacks deck right you could instead be like i'm going to build a ludovic deck and it's all about pingers to deal that damage boy who did that that would be who did that (laughs) another game nights deck that was featured and i uh am not the biggest fan of but i was the one that recommended it to the list (laughs) it's ruhan of the fomori it's one in jeskai so red white and blue it's a seven seven legendary creature giant warrior so four mana seven seven at the beginning of combat on your turn, choose an opponent at random. Ruhan of the Fomori attacks that player this combat if able. Very good 1v1 and very scary 1v3. Because he's a 7-7, seven, seven, so that means three hits of Ruhan means you are taking lethal commander damage. Good night. And usually the decks with Ruhan at the helm will have a bunch of equipment and ways to pump it up. So it's usually closer to two hits. Yeah. But the Ruhan player can't direct Ruhan so it's kind of like, yeah, you're at the mercy of the Lords of Chaos. Everyone's favorite lords. <laughs> Everyone's favorite lords. This is cool because it's it's randomness. It's fun. You get a lot of laughs out of it when it hits somebody twice, and they're like, what the heck? Yeah. How about three times? <laughs> what the heck? Um, yeah, but this deck runs like the assault suits. Yep. It, it encourages, and it's also my favorite thing. It speeds games up. Yep. For sure. Um, Jeskai, I think, there are so many different commanders to choose from Jeskai. A lot of them are featured around combat, but Ruhan is one that I find that people don't want to remove because, you know, in the game, you have a one in three chance of getting hit by it. So, those are, I'll take those odds any day. It's definitely not a high priority rem- uh, target to remove, right? Yeah, because it's just a combat machine. If you're looking out there and you're like, well, there's something over there and that's definitely bad for me mm-hmm. and there's something over there that's pretty bad for everybody and then there's ruhan who only might be bad for me and it's and not even that bad depending on where your life total is at yeah and so it's a lot easier to talk yourself into i'm going to destroy the thing that i know is bad for me because mm-hmm. ruhan might be working for me this turn i don't know no i don't know yet anyway yeah you won't know yet until ruhan turns on you and then you're like ow ah yes oh hooray it's the most classic of all of the uh <laughs> of all the quote-unquote group hugs slash best friends to be friends that are playing this deck it's feldegrift <laughs> That was a a good explanation. Yeah, it's a legendary creature, Feldegriff, even though it's definitely a hippo with wings. Uh, Okay, Feldegriff. Let's read the oracle text here. Yeah, (laughs) the text on this thing looks so old. Feldegriff is one green, white, blue, four mana total for a legendary creature, Feldegriff. It's a 4-4. You can pay a green, colon, Feldegriff gains trample until end of turn, and then target opponent creates a 1-1 green hippo creature token. Very nice. So you can give Feldegriff... Trample at the cost of giving someone a 1-1. Seems like a bad trade. You can play a white, and then Feldegriff Feldegriff gains flying until end of turn. Target opponent gains two life. Or you can pay a blue, return Feldegriff to its owner's hand. Target opponent may draw a card. It's a really interesting card because all of those activated abilities are way skewed in your opponent's favor when you use them. Like I think your opponent's getting the better end of almost every one of those deals with the Exception maybe of the flying versus the two life. Yeah, the target opponent drawing a card and you're bouncing a four-mana creature is just absurdly bad for you. But it does have the bonus of like, hey, I'll help you draw a card. Yeah. Hey, I'll help you gain some life. The idea of this deck is definitely, my deck is not here to make my game go amazingly. It's to help everyone else. It's the group hug deck. Look at it. It's a fluffy, fun hippo with wings. I think even more than Kaneo Centiro, which is sometimes group hug, but often pillow fort, mm-hmm. Feldegriff is very often group hug. And even more so group hug, yeah. than Zedru, who's like fake group hug, because a lot of Zedru decks are like, I'll give you stuff, but all the stuff sucks. Yeah, and you're going to get punished for having that stuff. Yeah, but Feldegriff is very often built in the like, no, I will actually give you stuff that you like. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
And uh, we wrote down here that a lot of the cards that people play in these decks are the group mechanic ones. So I play this card, and anyone else can join forces with me and tribute, contribute mana into it. Um, a lot of tempting offers. And yeah. Those, yeah, those group mechanics they've created for the commander set, a lot of those tend to uh, end up in the Feldegrift decks. And I like that. There's a home for those. And that tends to be like, not all Feldegrift decks, obviously, no. but a lot of them work in this way where it's like, hey, we're all going to play this game together and we're all going to decide things. And the Feldegrift deck is often like, I'm not sure how I'm going to win. I'm going to try and figure that out as we go. Yeah, some Feldegrift decks, I mean, they kind of need a win condition if you ever do want to win with them. I've known some people to be like, I just want to win with hippo tokens. I'm going to find a way to make a bunch of those. And so I think also like the ways that people design the deck can be really fun. Uh, And Feldegrift does give you a lot of options of sort of what direction you want to go. All right, we're down to our 10th and final most fun commander to play against. And... This one is a specific deck, but we're going to mention it for a reason, and then we're going to talk about why. So we have a friend of the show, Eric Landis, one of our original, mm-hmm. like I'd say, first five episodes, we started interacting. Been there since the beginning. Yeah. And with, his son as well. Did you know that Jack is like, he's like 5'8 now or something, Eric what? was saying. Yeah. How old is he? He's uh, old enough to teenager. be 5'8 apparently. Yeah. Oh my his, gosh. His voice is dropping, he said. Oh no. I know. Jack was already scary to play I mean, against, oh, by yes. the way. Oh yes. Congrats, you're growing up, but you're almost as tall as me, so ah. Crazy. Jack is someone who we used to talk about a lot on the show because he was kind of a magic phenom when he was younger, would be like playing the GPs and do pretty well. Yeah. Anyway, Eric has a Mail the Anima deck, and I'll read Mail. It's red, green, and white for a 2-3 elf shaman, and it has an activated ability for three red, green, white, and tap Mail. Then you look at the top five cards of your library. You may put a creature card with power five or greater from among them onto the battlefield, and you put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So Mail sort of rolls the dice, looks at your top five cards, and then puts a big thing for, quote-unquote, free. You did play six mana and tap Mail directly into play. Yeah, that's scary. So this deck that Eric has, what he's done is he's got a basic deck built, and then he brings with the deck like this big stack of creatures that are power five or greater. In the colors of Mail. Yeah, and there's like, I don't know, 80 of them or something. And then, you know, only 20 or so can go in the deck. So he shuffles that side deck before you play of like 80 huge creatures or whatever whatever the numbers are, and then pulls out the right amount randomly. He doesn't know what they are, and then shuffles that into the main deck. Ah, so, so now cool. when he's playing Mael during the game, he doesn't actually even know what big creatures are in there and... It's a surprise to everybody what might come out. Yeah, obviously very powerful for him, but also really fun to play against because you know sometimes you'll come up with combos that didn't you didn't think existed until you randomly shuffle those cards together. Other times it's gonna like it'll be the perfectly wrong creature to show up yeah. or the perfect right creature to show up. Like it's like Mayo trigger. Oh, there's Avacyn. Like oh darn you, that's the one you shuffled in. <laughs> I guess so. Oh crap! Well, there goes my board wipe. <laughs> yeah, very very cool. I like the idea of sort of off the norm build for commanders. And I will say Eric's very smart to choose mail as the commander for a deck like that, because yeah, a lot of people are like, I built my Mizzix deck, but it's really goblin tribal. And <laughs> it's, it's like, like yeah. Mizzix is too scary to do that with. Mail's not. Mail's not a scary commander on its own. Yeah, so a six mana activation is very expensive. It's not just known as a powerful deck that everyone needs to be scared of. And mm-hmm. so Eric gets to do his thing and everybody gets to go, what do we get? What do we get? And it's almost right. like we, right? So, I like that idea. And Mail's not the only commander that you could build a deck like that with, but those types of things get everybody involved in like the randomness of what's going to happen yeah. and can be a lot of fun. And who knows, rolling the dice, as Josh and I both love to do, sometimes, you know, it's great to, to not know what's going to happen. It's yeah. a way to have chaos in the game that isn't a warp world. Yeah. <laughs> Notice that we didn't mention any of those cards in this episode because I don't consider that fun. I just consider that a drag. Yeah. No hate on the players that play Chaos, but that I think is usually fun for more for one player more than the rest. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, we'll talk about that in a second. I had a quick question for you though. Yep. Of these commanders that we just listed, um, we had. Let's see if I can do it from memory. Kaneo Sintiro. Bingo. Zancha. Bingo. Uh, I'm looking now. I'm cheating. Grothama. Bingo. Braids. Oh, you're, you're reading. Thantis it now. <laughs> the Warweaver. Queen Marchesa. Ludovic. Ruhan of the Fomori. Feldegriff. And Male the Anima. Croft. Honorary mention, yeah. Yeah, honorary mention, more like uh, custom decks. Custom but, decks, yeah. yeah. Theme ha- decks, How many decks. of these commanders have you ever had a deck built for? Big whopping zero. How about you? I've had two. Uh, Ludovic mm-hmm. and Ruhan. 
So, two, you've had two, so you don't have them anymore. No, Ruhan doesn't exist anymore. It was a Chaos deck, which uh, was not oh, fun. Oh, that's like right. Said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Ludovic I still have. So it's interesting because we had a lot more of the worst commanders to play against. I think I was at yeah. like five. And Craig basically six. built all of them. <laughs> yeah. So. so the follow-up question is, do you think it's important to think about your opponent's enjoyment and how much fun they're going to have while you're choosing a deck or building a deck? It might be something that's been fostered into me because of game night specifically, but I do not include things that are too oppressive ever. Uh, stacks is something I very rarely put into decks right. unless I really want to do that thing, right? Uh, but even then, I'm not going to put in a win condition that is oppressive. I'd rather do a weird, wonky win condition if I'm going to do something like that. I'm always trying to find a creative way to do something that, to me, feels fun. Because I think I've been too f- many times on the other side of the table when it hasn't been fun, and I've seen what creates that experience. And I try to put myself in those shoes when it happens, and I also go, you know what? I wouldn't have that much fun playing or winning this way either, so I'm not going to put that into my decks. Yeah, and it's interesting because I haven't been drawn to these types of decks. You know, obviously, I've only ever had two. Um, but I think I probably should build one like this. I, it would be nice to have... Cause my in your Lu- wheelhouse, right? Yeah, I do have the Ludovic deck, but it's a little bit different than what's mentioned here. I do think it's fine to play against, but not particularly fun. But I think that we probably... Sh- everybody out there and us as well could do with a little more thinking about our opponents when we're building our decks. Obviously, we're on the more casual side of things. And yeah, you want to win games, but just having a deck in your repertoire that fits this category of like hey i want everybody to have fun because a lot of those people that message us all the time and say my play group always kills me first Mm -hmm. you know it's usually because you were merciless with them and and destroyed them for weeks and weeks on end and they finally got (laughs) tired of it and this is a another way to alleviate that and just think just having it in your mind like how much fun are my opponents having is probably like healthy for your play group to just yeah you know what even in a game, maybe you just played a game and, and you you know, like, oh, I won that game, but man, that wasn't really fun for them. And you can pull out one of these decks and try and make it up to them a little bit. I think just having it in, in my pocket is something I'd like. Yeah, it doesn't need to be every single deck. No, not build, at all. But I think if you're playing games and you have, for instance, let's say you play a Narset and Light Master deck and you have the ability to just take six turns in a row, just put yourself in everyone else's shoes and think, is that something that I want to do more often or less often? And it's like, you can do it if you need to win a game, right? But if you're in the other, and especially if you've been in the position where people are like being like, hey, could you hurry up? And you go like, I know, I know, I know, I know. That's the kind of experience I think you can have occasionally, but it shouldn't be an overwhelming amount of the times you play the game. Otherwise, that's going to be what you're known for. So mixing it up, in general, just diversity is a good thing for commander decks, I think. And uh, I, w- I want to say, like, these aren't the only commanders that can be fun. Uh, Arguably... Any commander can be fun, but on face value, not all of them are going to seem that way. Right. So I I was looking through this list and I was thinking like, what lessons can we learn from this list about choosing commanders that will cause the entire table to have fun? And you touched on a couple of these, Jimmy, already. Action. Yeah. A lot of the stuff on our list causes, stimulates action. Games where people are attacking, they're blocking, things are happening. Mm -hmm. That's... I would say from our small sample size of the people here in the office, that is viewed as fun by people. Stuff, you know, stuff that stimulates players to do something. So the opposite of that, games where nothing's happening are, I think we can agree, you know, just in concept, less fun. I mean, think of like playground, like like general, like what happens on the playground. It is more fun if everyone feels like they can contribute to whatever's happening. If we're all building a sandcastle together, you grab the pail, you grab the shovel, I'll get the water. Everyone's doing something and the activity is what's causing that to happen. It sucks if you're at the playground and it's like, let's do this thing. And you go like, I'm allergic to sand. And it's like, well, in that case, maybe let's not play in the sand. Let's play somewhere else. So it's not exactly one to one. Yeah. And I think just that involvement also creates a more fun experience where people get to eat, like be excited over something everyone gets to go whoa when something happens it definitely makes players all pay attention to the game and less to their phones too i mean i always talk about basketball as an analogy and it's like what's more fun a game where everyone's passing the ball everybody gets to shoot about the same amount everybody gets to handle it everyone's involved or a yeah. game where like one person's taking all the shots and basically hogging the ball like yeah you have the one friend that's six foot six yeah and it's like well obviously i'm going to give it to him under the rim every time but every is that time. fun for your team probably not as fun unless you're only focused on winning but sometimes it's more about walking out of it and being like i enjoy myself because i do this for a workout right and me passing and getting past you means I'm running around more. 
So it right. contributes to that I mean, that if, part if of you're it in a basketball tournament and you're, you need to win it, then you do the one thing. But right. most of us are not in that equivalent for Commander, right? We're just having fun at a friend's house or an LGS. There's not a lot on the line. I think that's the vast majority of players, to be honest, especially the people that message us for, yeah. that play around their kitchen table or have their home play groups. You know, you want, for me, the most valuable thing walking out of a Commander night is remembering two or three moments that were really awesome and satisfying. Yeah. You know, and for me personally, it's not like I won every game, but I'm like, oh man, that one Zancha game when all of us paid, what was it, 24 mana yeah, and, and killed that guy out of nowhere? That was amazing. Yeah. Uh, another point, and you mentioned this too, chaos is fun, but not for everyone. The, the chaos decks that are like Warp World are going to ca- possibly storm all the stuff that's going to like cause your opponents to not know what's going to happen. People don't find that fun. It's what they headache. find fun, <laughs> what they find fun is if you built your own deck so that you don't know what's going to happen. It's mm-hmm. randomness chaos for you. Right. The Ruhan deck, the male deck, that kind of stuff where everyone's like, what are you going to do? You don't even know. Let's see. Yeah. That's fun. Not like every time I try and play something, that's not what happens. Something random happens. That's not fun for everybody. Yeah. I think there's also something to be said too about decks that people build that are like Vorthosi, that have a story behind them or like this tells a specific thing. And then when you play them and you're curious, if you're curious about that thing, they can explain why it's happening. And then they'll also make decisions in the game that are more for that than like optimization, optimization, optimization. I always talk about Bradley Rose's deck, one of our patrons, one of our big supporters, but also some we've uh, played with before, yeah. who has that deck where you have to guess what the theme of the deck is while he's playing it. Yeah. That's one of the more fun games of Commander that I've ever played because I was not even concentrating on what I was going to do. I was just like, okay, that has a face on it. That has a face. <laughs> is it something about faces? No, that is it something about, you know, Spartans and 300. Like I was guessing all. Yeah. And so that kept me like so engaged with like a different aspect of the game. So that could be really fun too. And the last point um, that a lot of these most fun to play commanders have is that they help smooth out the game for the whole table so yeah. that everyone gets to play magic. So you don't have, you know, they help you hit land drops. They help you draw cards. They don't have a situation where you just don't draw your fourth land. Don't play any spells. Don't get to do anything. At the very least, it gives you an opportunity to catch back up. And I think everyone needs that, especially the people that are in my world that just play a ton of mono red and commanders or black red, and you just don't have access to ramp and stuff. So when someone's like tempting what offer, who wants to get a land? I'm like, me. Everyone's like, Jimmy, don't. Oh, yeah. He's going to get Cabal Coffers. Uh, you're the I'm problem. Like, but you know what? <laughs> the choice is mine, and I'm making it for me. <laughs> Don't don't be tempted by that offer, everybody out there. Don't listen to Jimmy. That was bad advice right be there. Be tempted by the offer. <laughs> it's right, a to, really good offer. <laughs> there's no way they're going to abuse it. Uh, to the listener. Yeah, there's no... All right. To the listeners, how many of these commanders that we just mentioned have you had a deck for at some point? Is the amount of fun that your opponents are going to have something that you think about when you're building a deck or choosing a commander? And if not, should it be? Maybe. Maybe. All right. If you want to pick up any of the cool, fun commanders that we just talked about, it's really easy. Go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Mm-hmm. If you use that affiliate link when you order your magic products, singles, you can pre-order commander products. Ikoria, mystery boosters just came out. There's tons oh, of stuff oh, oh. you know you want to get your hands on. If you just use cardkingdom.com slash command zone, when you do it, you're simultaneously getting the cards you need and supporting our content. You know, another, I was thinking about other fun commanders to play against, and even though they're not legal in the format, a lot of the silverboard commanders oh, yeah. have that. And Ultra Pro, who is our other sponsor for the show, they'll make playmats for everything. And they'll make playmats for, you know, at Hascon, they had the cool Transformers playmat. They, yep. they had the Sword of uh, Dungeons and Dragons playmat. So they're always on the forefront making the best looking stuff for your cards. And if you want to play one of these fun commanders and really theme it out, there's no other place to go than Ultra Pro. They can help you out with the sleeves. They can help you out with the deck boxes and the playmats and the dice and every single thing that you need to really make that full experience. And, you know, honestly, those are the ones that we remember. That's the thing that we've been talking about all in this episode. Like, remember when this person did that or when this happened? Those are memorable experiences. And so if you want to help contribute to that yourself, well, hey, head on over, buy some stuff from Ultra Pro from your big box retailer, your LGS, or cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Okay, now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. I got something. Okay, so originally this episode was going to be Mulan themed because Mulan was Mm -hmm. going to be coming out, I guess, the day after this episode comes out. And I wanted to give a shout out, a couple days later, yeah. I want to give a shout out to one of the executive producers on the movie. His name is Jason Reed. He's a really, really awesome guy. And last year, when the movie was done finishing, uh, we actually, I helped him out and I guested on one of his shows. And it's called Kid Pod Theater, and he does it with his friend Casey. And it's basically a 
narrative-based podcast. Uh, that's a story-based thing. So it's a, it's a written script. There are sound effects. Voice actors. Voice actors. And the first of the series is out, and it's called Rescues. And it's about a young boy who finds a wounded stray by the road and wants to rescue it. But it turns out the stray is more than just a creature. It might, in fact, be a little alien in nature. I play one of the... I sort of guest cameo as one of the actors in the second episode. But the cast is great. Angela Kinsey, if you guys have seen The Office, plays the mother... And the whole cast list is awesome. So big shout out to them. I really want you guys to go check this out if you want something else to listen to. It's a very short series, but it's also really fun, well-produced, and it's got sound effects and all that stuff too. So check it out. You can follow them at Kid Pod Theater on Twitter, or you can just download it on any of your podcast apps. And if you do follow them and you can send in a message, let them know that the Command Zone sent you. Kid Pod Theater. I met yeah. Jason at the uh, premiere. Nice guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice guy. Very and cool. it's a great effort, and they're going to do more of these in the future, too. So I love story-based stuff, and, you know, it kind of reminds me of the uh, the original War of the Worlds type. Yeah, it's like radio, radio theater. Radio yeah. theater, yeah, it's great. And we know everybody out there likes podcasts because they're listening to this one. So yeah. you probably have some extra time during work on your commute or whatever. Check out and Kid hey, Pod Theater. I'm not going to lie. If you help me out and tell Jason that, like, you love his show and you're coming from my, he's going to be like, wow, this Jimmy guy, maybe we should work with him more in the future. Maybe we should cast him in more movies. Yeah, maybe we should help him out. Let's do it. I'm just kidding. I love you, Jason, if you do happen to be listening to this, and please check it out. Does Jason listen to this? Yeah, there's no way. Because <laughs> when I met him, I don't think he played Magic. No. Well, he, he may have clicked through. I didn't actually through. ask him. I did send him game nights. He oh. definitely clicked through it because I was like, Jason, you got. have you ever seen TV quality stuff on the YouTube? And he's like, not really. I'm like, oh, you're about to. Sweet. (laughs) All right. Our editing, graphics, and logistics team here at the Command Zone that is responsible for everything that you see, hear, and watch is Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Alfred Estaca, and Sam Waldo. And that's the same team that is helping edit the EDH RecCast. You guys have to go check it out as well. They have upped their game because of, uh, you know, a collaboration, which I think is the best way to get things done. And they have this awesome new intro, and the logo just suddenly takes on an entirely new meaning and plus the uh, the episodes all sort of have like a theme to it which is sort of you know they have their their hosts in these little browser windows anyway i love it i love the design please check it out you can look up edh rec cast on youtube and your podcast app and you'll find it there and special thanks to jeffrey palmer for the living card animations that begin and end each of our shows and sit behind us here on set you can find jeffrey at living cards mtg on twitter yeah okay cool well i'm gonna go build one of these fun commanders now because i don't have one i think i'm gonna build grothama maybe yeah, that, i was that thinking fun. about grothama but queen uh, marchessa just screams to oh me. yeah so that's I you i don't have a mario deck yet yeah. oh man our next Perfect. commander night's gonna be so much fun i know all, all right everyone thanks, thanks for watching so much <laughs> we'll see you next time peace For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.